0: and welcome aboard the battleship pretension i'm david Bax, and that's it it's just me this is a solo episode uh but what more do you need it's just gonna be me uh talking about the well we'll get to the topic in 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 just a second i uh i suppose um we should just start with the tweakedaudio.com ad so uh let me tell you about tweakedaudio.com tweakedaudio.com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors that look great they sound great uh, i use me every day today i was using them well, i was using them to listen to a work zoom meeting but also i was listening to uh what, you know me what do you think i was listening to obviously i've been listening to the new olivia rodrigo album uh, on repeat, nonstop. stop It's really good. Um, I like it more the more I listen to it. I I think, and I loved Sour, but I think it, it's uh, an expansion. I mean, both in terms of, like, uh, the subject matter. They're not entirely songs about um, Xs, though there are definitely songs about Xs, and they're good. Um, there are songs about other things, too, but also sonically. I mean, I, I think, like, she's... Um, She and and whoever else is, I didn't look up the credits to see who produced the album with her, but um, uh, they're uh, trying fun new things uh, in the studio. The the first single, Vampire, I still haven't gotten sick of it. It still uh, builds as it goes and is uh, so exciting. I'm just really into this album. Uh, and it sounded great on my tweaked audio.com earbuds are available at a low, low uh, they're available at a low, low price at tweaked audio.com. But if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. So please go to tweaked and use the offer code pretension. Okay. Let me tell you, uh, let's, let me tell you, I, that's how I, that's how I start the ad. That's not what I'm doing here. Um, uh, Let's get into it, shall we? It is time for the uh, TIFF 2023 pre uh, wrap up. I'm sorry, I'm trying to look look at my notes. Uh, normally, I have someone to bounce off of while I do that kind of kind of bullshit. Um, and so, I'm just gonna just uh, go through uh, the movies that I saw and tell you about them. That's what a wrap-up is. This is what I did last year. I did it solo. I think I did it solo for Sundance this year. Um, I I now can't remember, but um, it's become kind of a preferred way. As I started doing the even before Tyler got sick um, when I started doing the uh, occasional movie journals uh, uh, by myself uh, I started to feel more comfortable doing it. Let me know if I'm annoying i mean i know i'm annoying but you know what i mean uh let's start with uh so i got to i I got to toronto last year when i went to to tiff when i landed i don't know what was happening what the problem was but it took me two hours to get out of the airport because you have to go through customs at the toronto airport when you get there and uh so this time i was like really nervous it was going to happen again and i wasn't gonna i was gonna have to switch up my plans and uh uh not make it but um i ended up making plenty of time had I breezed through uh customs because um, i'm not a suspicious person um and made it uh to to my airbnb and then picked up my badge and uh even had time to grab a quick bite and then uh sat down for my first screening of the first of 15 films we'll be talking about. Uh, the new film from Ryosuke Hamaguchi, who made uh, Drive My Car and Wheel of Fortune of Fantasy in, in 2021. Uh, his new movie is called Evil Does Not Exist. Uh, and it uh, takes place in a small town, um, a small Japanese town where uh, some developers are looking to build a glamping business in the like uh in the rural part they're gonna build fancy campsites to uh attract uh moneyed city folks for for you know looking for fun vacations um and uh they end up there's a there's a guy in the town who's uh he's a single father and uh or i think a widower um and he's kind of like the Uh, I think he refers to himself as the odd job man. He's just the guy that like, he's uh, just a handyman that uh, does different things for different people, and so the uh, potential developers or the people who are the front, you know, the outreach for the developers uh, sort of enlist him to, like, show them around the town and tell them what can and can't be done. There's a lot of objection in this town to this, this sort of thing, happening um and i think the movie is intentionally or uh, the character the odd job man uh is cagey i think about where he stands uh on it and that's i think part of the uh one of the multiple the, the, the movie's great and there's a there's a lot of threads of things going on and uh one of one of them because multiple characters go through this of like being unsure being wishy-washy and then like suddenly making a stern like hard decision on something uh so that seems to be one of the the threads but it also feels like um Hamaguchi is also like saying something or exploring the idea of depend being dependent on the land um because we have this idea of like living off the land and that's what a lot of the people in this small town do. There's a, a woman who runs a noodle shop, uh, who moved from the city out there so that she could make noodles with the local spring water. Um, and, and so there's a lot of relationship to, to, to the land. Um, there are long takes of people chopping wood that are like absolutely fascinating. Uh, and, uh, but uh, from the other point of view, these developers would also be, like, taking advantage of this public land or buying this land and, like, so what is it to live off the land or exploit the land? Is there somewhere in between? That seems to be a lot of the dialectic, I think, of, of the movie. Um, but uh, it's the other thing, the idea of, like, someone might be closer to a strong position on something they seem and you never can be quite sure where you stand because you can never know another person uh that's kind of what really uh stuck out to me uh and that was my first movie of the fest it was a I, i should say right off the bat it was just like it was a good festival like i did not see anything that i didn't like at least a little bit i loved a lot of the stuff i saw um uh, so yeah that that was uh uh first that same night i went to um another uh, press and industry screening and uh, ran into in front of the show mariah e gates and she and i watched uh uh molly manning walker's how to have sex uh which i mean thank god like i've been wondering if someone could show me the ropes on that for a long time uh now, this is a movie about uh, three uh, English uh, girls who have just, I've, my understanding is I think they've just graduated high school or, or whatever you would call that, and they're going on like a week-long, it's like a spring break, it's like an organized thing where buy bypasses and they're staying at this hotel and there's like organized parties and, and events, but it's like a spring break type thing um i'm sure like uk listeners are probably like annoyed with me right now because there probably is a name for this sort of thing i just don't know they um but anyway "Sweet girls on uh, a spring break for american viewers and listeners a spring break type experience that's all you need to know um and it's it's really quite good. Uh, Molly Manning Walker and her her cast, especially her lead uh, Mia McKenna Bruce, uh, just build this natural relationship between the the girls among the girls, um, and also a fantastic sense of the the heightened atmosphere of this kind of party week thing that like everything is loud and people are close and it's fun but it's also like there's pressure at the same time to have fun and, and like um like not that this is a movie this movie isn't like Lost in Translation at all but Lost in Translation is also a movie that gets how like when you're on a vacation or you're out of town everything can feel a bit like heightened and like condensed into like a shorter time and i think this movie really gets at that um it's very there's some thrilling party sequences there's some very funny stuff but i should also warn you it ends up getting into some rough stuff too the main sort of if there's a story or, or I, I mean obviously there's a story if there's a plot which there isn't really but if there's a plot it's that like mia mckenna bruce's character whose name is tara uh, or sorry tara tara i can't I, I can't do these accents tara um is the only virgin among the group and um the other her other two friends want her to lose her virginity on this trip and you know that doesn't all you know that, that that i don't want to get too spoilery but um there's some rough stuff in in the movie but uh uh the the focal point here and, and the 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 center of the movie is is Mia mckenna bruce as as tara um she's she's fantastic i also love uh this is not a thing that Americans do uh in terms of nicknames but her name's Tara but her friends call her Taz um and I love it I love every time they call her Taz uh so yeah that's um that's that um so then here's here's the thing about being 40 now (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is my first tiff since i'm 40 um jet lag i mean like i always had it when i would go to tiff but the idea that like i'm three hours behind and i'm having to get up early to go sit in dark rooms like i end up so tired at tiff and it isn't until like the la i'm on there five days it's like on the last day that i'm like okay i think i've adjusted now i'm going back to california time but um uh, so yeah i had so i had flown in and watched these two movies went back to my airbnb um, and then got up for an 850 a.m meaning 550 a.m in my west coast head um, screening of a three-hour uh, movie called the delinquents which is a um, uh, uh, argentinian uh, i guess comedy it's not It's dry um, and bemusing. It definitely has funny stuff in it. uh, But it also has... It spends some some time to to ponder things as well. Um, It pulls a nice little switch on sort of who the main character is. Because we watch this guy who's like a manager at a bank. Um, And we follow him for the first part of the movie and he apparently sort of on an impulse because he suddenly has an opportunity to do it he steals like i think six hundred and fifty thousand dollars from the bank and leaves with it um and then uh he reveals his his plan which is he basically basically blackmails Another, so suddenly this other guy who's a teller at the bank that was like more or less in the background for most of the movie until this point suddenly he like blackmails him into holding on to the money and his thing is like I'm gonna go turn myself in I'm gonna do a three and a half year prison sentence and then when I get out we'll split the money um, and if you don't do it I'm gonna tell them that you helped me um, so um, suddenly like that guy goes off and basically yeah gets himself arrested and suddenly like the teller is our main character and uh, there's a lot of comedy around the sort of uh, awkwardness and paranoia that he the pressure and paranoia that 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 he feels, um, uh, but the um, the the movie ends up having this very uh, amusing motif i think of two different people finding themselves in similar situations or making similar choices because eventually we do uh, i guess this is a minor spoiler but eventually we do jump back and see what the guy who stole the money did between blackmailing the guy and turning himself in and we see like similar thing come up in these two men's lives, and there's other, like, little sort of jokes about it. There's a <laughs> the uh, character who plays the boss at the bank, or the actor who plays the boss at the bank also plays <laughs> the head of the gang in the prison. Um, and that's just, like, there's no reason to have the same actor except for it to be a funny situation where, like, this guy has found himself under the thumb of the he's in an attempt in an attempt to completely like um revitalize his life he's found himself under the thumb of essentially the same guy uh and so that that idea of like people continuing to find themselves uh going with the same flows and 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 i guess it it um inspires questions about like how much uh personal how much is personal like individual choice and how much is just like yeah going with the with with the flow um of of the world uh and and choosing the path of least resistance leads people to the same um um the same state the same situations uh o- over and over again uh there's also jokes about like multiple characters in the movie have names like roman and moran and then norma and morna (laughs) like there's all these uh, uh similar names and i can't i can't remember now if it's norma or morna but uh the actress's name is margarita molfino and she plays a woman who lives in the out in the countryside when our bank teller like goes to try and like you know uh take the pressure off and goes out to the countryside he has a little fling with this this woman and uh margarita molfino is incredible in the role but I can't remember if uh, um, if uh, she's Morna or Norma. Um, next up is oh, this was maybe my most well, no, my second most anticipated movie of of the festival. And this is what keeps happening this festival this year is that. The movies i was looking forward to because i was really looking forward to the to the delinquents too it had already played other other festivals Uh, i saw a lot of stuff that had played other festivals because i had read reviews and that's what i wanted to see um and i kept having these things live up to their expectations which doesn't always happen um so uh yeah maybe my most anticipated or my second most anticipated movie of the festival was radu jude's uh do not expect too much from the end of the world and uh yeah once again he's made an incredible movie um mean i can tell you what the movie is about it doesn't really matter the story the the story i guess is just um there's a young woman who works as a production assistant for a production company in um, in Bucharest. Um, and uh, uh, the movie, except for a prologue at the end, just follows her over the course of one very long workday where she's just like running errands and meeting people and picking things up and dropping things off and doing the kind of stuff that PAs do Um, over the course of like 16-18 hour days. It's just a very long it's a long movie too. It's 2 hours and 45 minutes or whatever. Um, But uh, the movie is also uh, peppered with a couple of things. One the the main character has a like a TikTok persona where she pretends to be like there's a satire of like an andrew tate type guy and so we see all of these um bits of her as that character and then also there's a i guess an actual romanian movie uh oh damn it i wrote down part of it it's angela something angela i I can't remember from like the 70s that is a movie about a female cab driver and um the the movie keeps cutting in clips of that movie. And sometimes we'll see like the same neighborhood, you know, obviously 50 years apart or whatever, 40, 50 years apart. Um, and, uh, the, so the movie's very funny as is generally true of writer Uday's movies. Um, and, uh, but m- uh, more importantly, I think that, um, the, it feels high-minded and overreaching. It f- might feel like that to compare Radu Yude to Jean-Luc Godard, but he really does fit a lot of the the way that he is. Not only he's having conversation with film history by um, uh, film history and sociopolitics by, by including these old, the clips of this old movie, but he's also um, embracing new visual languages in, in the same way that, you know, Goddard would eventually do 3D and stuff like that. Um, the fact that we see, like, shots that are TikTok filters and uh, there's a Zoom interview where there's the guy changes his background and is moving the phone while he's talking, so he seems to be like bouncing around in the night sky or whatever um these things that have become like are so especially post-pandemic and uh rides of social media these ways of seeing the world are actually very common in our lives but weirdly not in movies it's it's movies have um i think been reticent to uh, uh adopt the Language of new visual entertainments and communications, um, and the way that he is folding them into his uh, view of the of the present day um, is is really impressive. And also, yeah, there's a he's definitely making a lot of. I mean, he's not like lecturing, but he's definitely got a clear point of view. So he's got that didacticism. I think that uh, people rightly would associate with with Godard. So, um, it, it really just, it's definitely one of it, it's turned out to not be my favorite movie of the festival, but at the time that I saw it, uh, it, it definitely was. Uh, next up is a movie, um, oh, a, uh, a, a Western called The Dead Don't Hurt, which I saw at the... Uh, not to get too... Uh, I am going to get too uh, like granular about the experience of, of, of Tiff. Um, there's the... So, the... They retired the Winter Garden and the Elgin and the Ryerson. I've never been in the Roy Thompson Hall, which is where the huge premieres take place, because like I'm not even bothering trying to get tickets to that. Um and then they added last year and this year, the Royal Alexandra, but the other like big theater, um, that I, uh, that, that they, that they use that I've seen many movies at over the years is called the princess of Wales theater. It's a beautiful theater, but I had noticed that like, I had never seen anything great there before. Um, I'd seen good movies and I'd seen bad movies. I saw the good nurse there. It was a very bad movie. Um, but i've seen good movies i saw chevalier last year i saw um uh the personal history of david copperfield back in i guess 2019 i saw that there i saw the um gloria bell um uh, uh, uh remake of his own movie gloria uh but i'd never seen anything great and that will change over the course of the 2023 festival but not right now so I saw a Western directed by and starring Viggo Mortensen and also co-starring Vicky creeps <clears throat> called the dead don't hurt. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's well-made. It's, um, uh, the, it definitely follows a lot of the Western sort of tropes of like, uh, Hey, I'm a guy just trying to live my life with my, wife, um, on the outside of town, or, you know, my own little hidden cabin, but there's a rich baron who's making things difficult for me and the other people in town, and eventually someone's gonna have to do something about it, and all that stuff, like, um, uh, that is, that's all things that, that happen here, luckily, but you've got I mentioned Viggo Mortensen, and, um, and Vicky Creeps, obviously the stars, but you've also got Danny Houston as the as the mayor. You've got uh, W. Earl Brown playing another bartender, and uh, Garrett Dillahunt is, you know, the rich evil guy. Um, <clears throat> um, and then his son is played by an actor named Solly McLeod, who like, it, w- it wasn't until the end I spent the whole movie thinking it was Jack Rayner with a mustache. I don't know. It looks a lot like Jeff Cranor. Um, anyway, uh, but, uh, yeah, it's uh, definitely, uh, pretty to look at and, um, and well-acted. Uh, it's got a non-linear structure that, um, I don't really have a problem with. Like, maybe I got confused a couple times, so that could be just me being stupid, um, uh, but yeah, it was, it was fine. Um, uh, but then I saw a, another movie that I was, was getting good reviews. I was looking forward to it and it more than lived up to its expect my expectations. Uh, Vim Vendor's Perfect Days. Man, it's so great. Uh, and it's just so up, up my alley too. Um, uh, it's about a guy who's a single middle aged man, if maybe closer to elderly than middle aged, uh, lives alone in a small apartment in Tokyo. And his job, he gets up early and he goes around cleaning the public toilets. Which, yeah, let's put it, let's pause and say, like, I was so jealous of Japan and, and, and Tokyo that they just have, like, free public toilets all over the 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 city free 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 public bathrooms um and uh yeah we don't we don't get that here because we don't uh uh take care Uh, we abandoned uh people who uh are at the have fallen out of the bottom of the capitalist system and uh They have no other place to to go uh so our solution instead of helping these people is to just like give them fewer places to to be indoors and out of the elements uh cruel uh america is a cruel society and it uh, makes me mad sometimes um all right so back to the movie perfect days um uh, so yeah, his, his job is that he, uh, clean, he drives around all day and he, he has a, his own van, he has a tape player and he has a bunch of tapes, like mostly 70s and 80s rocks, so, uh, or, or like, I don't know, uh, underground rock. There's a lot of Lou Reed in Velvet Underground. There's some Patti Smith, um, I do remember what else, uh, uh, we, we hear, I know I, um, uh, there's Otis Redding. Yeah uh the animals yeah so yeah he listens to yeah 60 stuff as well so um he just drives around from job to job from toilet to toilet or I get whatever cleaning them and then listening to music uh and then some storylines emerge where he has a younger coworker that sometimes he meets up with and has and they on the larger bathrooms they share the work and and that coworker has a girlfriend who gets involved and then there's another person later that i want to give things uh, away but it's still mostly i when we did our fall movie preview uh scott said that based on reading it reading reviews of it it sounded like it was um the Japanese Patterson, and it really does have a lot of those same, (coughs) that same cadence and those same beats (coughs) of a guy just sort of, like, having a simple government job and, um, enjoying it and enjoying his simple life. Um, there is some more, there's some more character stuff that gets unfurled by, by the end, but, Uh, that that tone and that and that pacing um, is it's it's really what uh, what drew me in and what kept kept going it's a just another great beautiful movie um and yeah I really want to go to Tokyo um okay so the next morning i saw a new michael winterbottom film called shoshana and as i had said on the tiff preview two weeks ago uh when i mentioned this movie like michael winterbottom is still a name that i um you know that pricks my ears up but i also have not liked the last couple movies of his that i that i saw so um Uh, So I was a little bit trepidatious, but Shoshana is a real solid, like, uh, you know, if you think of Winterbottom as as sort of like a sturdy, old-fashioned journeyman type of director, like, um, Shoshana definitely, uh, it it works. Uh, I am definitely not well-versed enough in the politics of... 1930s palestine and how they relate to the politics of israel and palestine today to know how this movie will be received by people who do uh know more about that type of stuff i am very curious to see um but the uh the movie the shoshana of the title so it's palestine before the founding of israel but there's already a lot of um, Jews living uh, living there, and more and more by the day because of uh, people fleeing Hitler's Germany. Uh, and the Shoshana of the title is is um, sort of daughter of a wealthy Jewish family who has lived in Palestine for for years already. Um, and then Douglas Booth um i don't really know i felt like i recognized him but i couldn't place it and i'm kind of looking at it now and being like mm. <clears throat> i don't i don't know if i did recognize this guy um anyway uh Douglas Booth plays a British sort of law enforcement. It's unclear. Like, they call him a policeman, but I think he works for the military. But it's British control. Palestine is under British control, and um, uh, his job is to... He's one of the people tasked with keeping the peace. And I think um, this is where the politics get in that I don't know, like, if... Uh, 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 I I don't know how much the British law enforcement or military of the time um, was. Uh, I don't know if they were favoring the Jews over the Arabs there, which is kind of what the movie shows. But then also there's Harry Melling's character who um, sees... Uh, treats them both equally which means not in a good way he (laughs) treats them with equal uh uh, disdain and lack of um compassion um so yeah I'm, i'm i'm very curious when this movie comes out to read some like think pieces and explainers uh and read probably a lot of uh anger about certain things that i didn't understand but uh just as a political thriller and a romance, um, yeah, it's just it, it just hits. It's a solid movie. Um, surprisingly bloody. I mean, I guess it shouldn't be surprising, but um, for a movie of that seemed to be, like, sort of middlebrow, genteel, and pedigree, there's way more, like you know, detached body parts in the movie than I would have... Uh, maybe way... Maybe not way more, but a few more detached body parts than I would have uh, 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 imagined. Um, um, so yeah, that's 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 Shoshana. Uh, man, talking by myself is... Takes a lot out of me. Sorry to keep having to pause. All right. The... Next movie I saw. Back at the Princess of Wales and here's where we broke the curse. Uh, I saw Azazel Jacob's His Three Daughters. That's another, hold on, another uh, aside. One of the fun things about going to festivals where the directors are there um, is uh, learning how to pronounce their names, because they get introduced and they're there and it's Azazel. Um, Not that I knew how to say it before, but or or not that I even thought I knew how to say it before, but um, uh, that's what it is. Azazel Jacob's uh, also, I, I mentioned that so the director was there. None of the cast was there, obviously, because of the SAG thing. But um, a lot of movies, a lot of these independent movies, had waivers. So there were some actors there. So, like, Viggo Mortensen, obviously, and uh, Vicky Creeps were at the screening of The Dead, Dead Don't Hurt. And they were clear to say that they, like, had a, a waiver, um... And uh um I also loved Vegan Mortensen introducing his very multinational like cast and crew and pronouncing everyone's names just like uh with <laughs> perfectly. Uh but anyway, so back to his three daughters. Uh and it's too bad the cast wasn't there because what a cast it is. Uh Carrie Coon, Elizabeth Olson, and Natasha Leone play sisters. Um and yeah, I know what you're thinking. Those three play sisters? Uh and it is yeah it's it's weird but it also is pretty quickly revealed that natasha leone is not a blood relation they are all sisters but is not doesn't have any so at least you're only dealing with okay do carrie coon and elizabeth olsen look like they could be sisters um but they've all reconvened in the new york apartment where they grew up and where their father still lives and where natasha leone's character still lives um because he is very sick and clearly they're plan is to stay there until he dies however long that that takes um uh, and it's it's the movie is if you saw Azazel Jacob's last movie French Exit which I did and loved um despite having this sort of like sounds like a straightforward kind of drama um, structure or, or premise or whatever, it does have um, some idiosyncrasies in the way that the dialogue is written and the way that he shoots people delivering dialogue. The movie just starts with uh, Carrie Coon against a completely blank wall, just going off about something, and then we see um it's a straight-on shot and we see a straight-on shot of elizabeth olsen and a straight-on shot of natasha leone and it's and like it goes on for a while until he finally reveals the sort of like the establishing shot that we would expect to be at the beginning where we finally understand the spatial relationships of these characters to one another um which if a student film did that it would seem like a mistake but it's very clearly um his intention to start uh with you not understanding their physical relationship to one another um as you and then understand that as you come to understand their or start to understand their actual relationships with one another um but uh i was going to say something else about about the movie um and comparing it to his three daughters uh but yeah it is or comparing it to french exit um but yeah, it does have its idiosyncrasies. It's very funny, even though it's obviously about you know the um, death of a of a loved one, um, and about all the sort of wounds that exist uh, among this uh, this family. Um, uh, but it ends up becoming something just so beautiful, and so like there's some of the best films or some of the best works of art I think are are, are are works that come right up against the borderline of being like embarrassing because they're like being too the 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 artist has like put themselves into it so much that they're very exposed and vulnerable and sometimes these things even are embarrassing and they're still and are so great and I think his three daughters the way that it builds toward a a, a a climax and a catharsis that I think in the wrong hands and probably in most artists and most storytellers hands would come across as trite and obvious and platitudinal um, but there's it's so beautifully executed and so beautifully acted by these three women oh also um uh is it jovan uh, jovan adepo from babylon um has a a a a small role he might be might qualify uh for the bruce mcgill award actually if um uh when when we do our the, the bps um but the way that it's handled by azaza jacobs and and the cast uh ends up being so beautiful as to be i don't know elevating it's i just absolutely loved the movie and that was i mean i had i had also loved french exit in a different way it's a different kind of movie than this in many ways um and so i was hoping i would like this but i really was surprised by how much i liked it um <clears throat> so, um... Um... Next up, I saw a movie directed by Sarah Suma... Suma? Uh, called Arthur and Diana. Um... That is, uh... Um... It's in... It's in German and French. And I think a little Italian, too. Uh, because it's a European road trip movie. Um two siblings uh, grown siblings uh, and one of them has a daughter <coughs> are uh, driving to see family or there's a there's a whole thing uh, we don't need to get into uh, but the movie is mostly a um, just a road trip movie it, it, it is very you know very episodic uh, it's also in a way that's really great it's very low budget and very low-fi looking i don't know what they shot it on but it reminded me of um those sort of like early late 90s early 2000s like movies that were shot on like mini dv cams and stuff like that it had that that look and among for the best among the best types of movies among those from that time it also had that sense of freedom and innovation sorry it has that sense um, there are so many there there are so many parts at, at, at every sort of stop on the on the course of the road trip uh, Sarasuma uh, seems to be inspired to put the camera in a place that we hadn't thought of before and um, so there are like these super close up like straight on shots or there are these super low like low angle or high angle shots um and but it never feels like that sort of like first-time director thing of trying to prove i don't even i don't know if she is a first-time director but i'm just saying that's something that first-time directors i think do is 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 try to like prove they have a visual point of view um by um by making really sort of self-conscious uh, uh choices But, um, this felt just like fun and free and, and, uh, uh, inspired. Um, no, it's not her first feature. She's, she's made, uh, well, yeah, she made one called The Last to See Them, um, which is an Italian horror drama. That sounds cool. She made a couple of shorts. Anyway, uh, yeah, now I've distracted myself as I tend to do, um, I don't remember what else, but, uh very fun, very fun movie. Um, And funny movie as as well. Um, And uh, I guess I I should have said that um, uh, the let's see the um, Arthur and Diana were played by, Diana is Sarasuma and Arthur is played by her real life uh, brother and I think the kid is actually her son um as well uh, so it's they're actually they're playing siblings but they also are siblings and that's fun okay what's next what are you up to what do we got um going on now okay oh yeah uh i'm a big fan of the director cleberman do Don i loved uh, aquarius i saw i saw back 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 or back um I saw that at TIFF in 2019, right? If I'm doing the, remember uh, uh, correctly, um, and so he had a documentary at TIFF. The only documentary um, that I that I saw. Um, uh, it's called Pictures of Ghosts, and it uh, is a documentary about sort of the places. That Philo called home when he was young, meaning a his mother's apartment, which we see uh, has gone over multiple reno, uh, renovations and um, has actually appeared in some of his movies. We see clips and, from like neighboring sounds, like, and we also see like the film clips from films he made. You know, little videos he made as a as a kid in the in the apartment um, with his friends and and family and stuff. Uh, and so it's fun to see the actual apartment and see how it's shown up in, in the in the movies. Uh, but then also the sort of second half of the movie is devoted to like um, the movie theaters uh, that he went to as a kid most of which are are closed are closed now um, And so I guess documentary is you know what the like generic category you would put this in but I guess it's more of like a personal, sort of essay or a a diary, maybe a a diary, or a memoir, I uh, I guess. Um, He narrates it. He does eventually uh, uh, appear in the movie as well. Um, But uh, um, it's a very... It's it's fun at times, but it's also obviously very bittersweet because it's, you know, about the past and things that aren't there. Anymore, and um, he manages, you know, to uh, to make it visually interesting uh, as well. There's so much, you know, so much footage um, that he has, of, like a lot of stuff that he shot, uh, but also uh, older older footage and uh, stuff like that. It's um, he's got like uh, uh, Janet Lee uh, <laughs> at the uh, in his city when he was a kid, and there's some newsreel footage of, of that. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. Pictures of ghosts. Um, uh, oh, yeah. Ne- okay, so next up is a movie called Mambar Pierrette. P- Mambar Pierrette. Uh takes place in Cameroon, and it's about a woman um, named Mambar-, Mambar Pierrette, I guess, um, who... Uh, is a seamstress and she, you know, makes clothes and dresses for her neighbors and their kids and, you know, takes orders and uh, it's a very sort of like cash um, business, you know, uh, haggling over prices and stuff like that. It's a very, like, she's a woman of the neighborhood and uh, she has children of of her own and a, and a, and a sick mother Um and um, a series of things happened to her over the course of the movie. That sounds like so generic, <laughs> but uh, it's almost like it feels almost like correct to describe it that way. Because what's so fascinating about the movie to me is that uh, every shot, every scene, ...is just fully in the moment. Like, you never... ...feel... ...like the movie is setting the stage... ...for... ...what's... ...going to... ...what's going to come. Even though... ...it is. You know. um, But there's something... ...it's just very beautiful. Um, And it's... uh, ...directed by Rosina... Mvetko Mbakum. I don't know if I'm saying all of those things correctly, but uh, this is her first narr- like fictional film. She's she's made um, documentaries in in the past uh, that I've really liked, um, and uh, uh, so that's why this was on my list. And I'm so glad that I that I that I saw it. It's uh, um. It's just a really beautiful movie. *Membar Pierrette. Uh, alright. Next up, Fallen Leaves, um, is the new film by Aki Koresmaki, and, uh, I mean, if you know his work, you know what you're in for, and there's, that, that sounds like I'm criticizing, but, uh, man, it's just, it, it's, it's just great. Um, it's, uh... I guess the movie is about, um, to, uh, um, to, it's, it's a sort of romance, I, uh, 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 I got, I guess, um, about a man and a woman who, uh, they start a relationship kind of, but it seems like the only thing they have in common is that they're loners, um, which is maybe not the best way to build a relationship with someone by, uh, uh, we both love being alone let's uh, uh, let's hang out together <laughs> uh, but I, I mean yeah so that's what the, the story is but I feel like with Aki Kurisaki, that's not really what I'm looking for I'm looking for these um, beautiful like uh setups and and, and frames and, and meticulously lit like a stage but it's also real at the same time uh, and there's also a lot of comedy It's um, the movie is, is very funny in, in that dry Aki Kurismaki way uh, and so it feels like on the one hand you know what you're in for on the other hand who's going to complain about that um, when you're in for something so good Uh, all right oh we're at the home stretch here um next movie is seven veils the new movie from friend of the podcast adam agoyan uh it stars the great amanda seyfried um who i've like become such a fan of more and more i mean obviously i was a fan of mean girls and i was a fan of big love but as she's you know, become. I mean, I don't know how old she is. She's still younger than I am. But you know, as she gets uh, more mature and closer to, you know, middle age or whatever you want to say, um, I'm. She keeps getting better to me as 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 an actor, and I'm. Uh, uh, and Seven Veils is a, a terrific performance, and definitely asks a lot of her, uh, because if, you know, if you know Adam McGoey's movies, there's you know a lot of. Psychosexual, like uh uh sturm und Drang. um again that sounds like i'm criticizing but i love it i love it so much there are multiple layers there are flashbacks there's uh, a lot of stuff going on um, amanda seyfried plays a theater director who has been hired uh, it's very much a toronto movie uh, has been hired by the toronto like opera i guess um to remount a production that the opera did um, years earlier of Salome, and um, it was the the director of the original was her mentor, and he picked her before he died. It was like his dying wish that she would helm this uh, restaging. Um, but uh obviously there there come to be a lot of other layers we uncover about their mentorship or their friendship or the relationship or whatever it it was um and all of this like comes out in the way that uh, uh amanda seyfried's character um named janine um comes closer and closer to either some sort of major breakthrough or some sort of major breakdown uh, as she is remounting this production and putting more and more of herself into it um, and uh, um, she's getting pushback from all all sides uh, and it's just it's it's very much Adam McGoin in his lane um, and uh, if you like that which I do there's no reason you won't like it i remember thinking like as i was watching it i was like i think we've talked about this in the podcast before like sometimes when you're liking a movie and you like find yourself already imagining what people aren't gonna like about it and getting mad at that um i was like oh people are gonna think this is like overheated you know that this is um uh, going to too big and i was like already mad about that but the reviews have been have been good so um i guess i was wrong to underestimate people uh also weirdly um one of the uh cast members like within in the salome production is played by douglas smith who played um amanda Seyfried's brother on uh on big love uh so that was a weird that was a fun like uh fun little uh i don't know uh i i'm also like right now i'm kind of like bracing myself because i um have to uh talk about this next movie which is a fantastic movie but it's gonna be difficult to try and talk about um so the next movie that i saw uh the penultimate movie of my festival and the movie that i was most looking forward to um is jonathan glazer's the zone of interest so i saw the um I, i i saw the zone of interest and i cannot overstate how amazing an achievement this movie is. And how... You know, when I left, I was I was so glad that I saw it, that I didn't see it with anybody I knew. So that I could just, like, walk afterwards, ride the subway back to my Airbnb, I went and sat at a bar, and just, like... I was... Recovering from how powerful the movie ends up being by the end, but also like thinking back on the movie and continuing and to being like, oh my god, like, I mean, it's <laughs> this is stupid to say, but it's like, oh, he knew where the movie was going. Of course he did. He, Jonathan Glazer directed the whole movie, but like the way that he like lays like plants the seeds for. The, the movie to come to the place where it does that I, I mean it's based on a novel uh there's a lot of interest it's in case you don't know it's about an ss uh officer and his family the officer is a con- commandant at auschwitz and uh he has because of his high position he has a beautiful home with you know his own private like greenhouse and swimming pool and and all this beautiful home um but it's it's literally right outside of auschwitz like um uh like it shares a wall practically you can see the guard tower one of the guard towers from their backyard um and i remember when i was in berlin and we went and visited Sachsenhausen, um which actually does get mentioned in the movie for Whatever, whatever that's worth. Or it comes to play a role in the movie. All the, all the concentration games get mentioned, but Sachsenhausen uh, is, becomes a part of the movie of Zone of Interest. Uh, yeah, but you, you take the train from Berlin out to Iranianburg, which is the little like suburb that Sachsenhausen is in, and you're walking through this neighborhood of these really nice homes that people continue to live in to this day, and then... You turn a corner and there's a concentration camp, just right up against these homes. And I guess I remember our tour guide at Sachsenhausen saying that, like at the time, those would have been like the homes of the SS officers and the uh, the the hiring people who worked at the the camp. And um, so that's what zone of interest is. It's sort of like conceit is that we never see the inside of. Of, of the camp, uh, it all takes place with this family, um uh yeah, for the most part um, it all takes place with the family, and uh it, it's it it's hard for me to describe I'm trying to figure out how to, just, how to lay out the things that I love about it without talking about the final sort of, like, five, ten minutes of the movie, which, um, is, uh, really, well, I don't know. It made me sick to my stomach, but also, like, it felt cathartic, and it was just... Anyway, um... But, uh, I I think the conceit of of the movie being, like, not seeing the concentration camp is that we... We already know, A, what horrors went on in there, and B, we already know that the Nazis get defeated. And so, as we're watching this family sort of live, I mean, we open with them... Uh, you know playing at the river you know taking a, uh, a day on a weekend to go have a family like sort of picnic and and, and swim in the in, in the river um, this idyllic lifestyle but also the way that um, they fight to keep it um, Sandra Huller, uh from Tony Erdman plays um, the the wife and the the officer is played by um, the guy from Movie called Thirteen Minutes, uh, which is also um, Nazi-related, um, that I, but I'm drawing a blank on the fellas' name, Christian Christian Friedel. Um, they're great, uh, and the way that they fight like with each other, with their families, with the uh, SS sort of bureaucracy to maintain this this home and this lifestyle. Also, the way they clearly take pride in it in sort of like having other officers and their families over um or but also like the way they treat their staff their their servants is um there's a desperation I think but the movie walks a line of like we're not like you're not gonna feel bad for these people because of how they got they have they have cast their lot this is the reward they're fighting so hard to keep it even though we know that there is an expiration date on this and on them and um that and and the ability of glazer to not make the movie just you know 2 hours of reveling in you know the schadenfreude or whatever of of what's going to become of of these people but also not making them sympathetic uh it's it's a it's really quite a an achievement quite a a needle threaded and quite um an impact for a movie that goes out of its way to not depict the things that have made holocaust related movies um uh a a a, a go to for many people for uh exploring um the things that people are willing to do to one another to uh to get themselves ahead or to convince themselves that they're that they're right. Um the the zone of interest is just uh it also doesn't make like the I'm even just thinking about this now, like the way that Jonathan Glazer shoots the house is almost like he's shooting a museum of the house where it's like we understand that this is a luxurious home that they live in but it's never quite inviting or aspirational to the audience Like it's hard to like look at this even when you're not seeing the guard tower and hearing gunshots and all sorts of things um, it's hard to imagine someone looking at this and being like oh I would like to live in a house like that Again, he just—it's just, it's just a really an amazing uh, achievement, and um, definitely the best movie that I saw at TIFF. And then let's uh, let's let's wrap up with with one more um, final movie is called Sing Sing. It takes place at the prison Sing Sing, uh, but it also has kind of a dual title because it is a movie about a real program at Sing Sing called rehabilitations of the arts or rta where prisoners um put on two plays uh, a year and they spend the time in between you know rehearsing and making sets and, and and stuff like that and um coleman domingo plays um the inmate who is uh also one of the founders of of rta um um and Paul Racy plays the sort of volunteer. Uh, I don't know if he's a volunteer. Maybe he gets paid by the organization. But in any case, he's the—he's not an inmate. He's the one who comes in and like, guide, you know, directs the plays and guides the rehearsals and and stuff like that. Um, but other than that, uh, those two actors that we've heard of, um, pretty much every other part in the movie is played by someone who is an actual former in inmate who was involved in um in rta uh so um uh so, so that sort of documentary type of uh, um Uh, uh approach is really the the hook here that 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 it's it's not a documentary but it is like partially about itself in in a way by by having these cast members play themselves a versions of them, themselves uh that's really the 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 draw i the main story is not you know it's Colmo domingo finding inspiration getting frustrated by his inability to get paroled, um, despite his innocence. I mean, the movie never actually comes out and says he's innocent, but I think that's what we're supposed to assume. Um, and uh, uh, it's it's you know pretty st- standard um, prison story type of stuff, but it's very well acted, not just by Colin Domingo and Paul Racy but by all these other actors as as well. And it's. Uh, shot. The director's name is Greg uh, Quidar, Um and it's shot in a uh, very sort of unassuming way. Um, kind of not quite as lo-fi as Arthur and Diana, but um, it's uh, uh, it's it's not uh, overly gussied up um and so that again that adds to this sort of documentary type feel even though what we're watching is not a documentary um yeah it's 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 quite a good movie i'm uh, definitely glad i saw it because like i said i didn't see any bad movies at tiff you know i mean like there's a couple that are like that don't hurt is like it's you know it's fine but it's not i didn't see anything bad last year i saw multiple bad movies um So this was a really successful tiff for me. It makes me feel... Especially because Sundance this year I thought was weak and I was like, oh, this is bad. Um, But I don't think Sundance... I don't think a good or bad Sundance is actually a predictor of a good or bad year for movies. Because Sundance, the types of movies that get shown there are more like narrow uh uh, there's a narrower scope of of movies whereas tiff is like truly international and has all kinds of movies and so i feel like a good tiff maybe does mean by the time we get to the end of 2023 in a few months uh or later than that when when we do our actual uh our top 10 episode here on the podcast i feel like this might be just a really really strong year i already have a top 10 that i'm uh uh pretty happy with so um yeah that's that's that you can find uh i'll get some reviews up of these um you can find and you'll be able to find those at battleship you can email me at david at battleship check out my other podcast the one where i met your mother that, that's available at BattleshipRetention.com or wherever you find podcasts uh sign up for the patreon patreon.com slash battleship and uh follow me on twitter and blue sky bluesky at davy um Other than that, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye.